Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. You're listening to the Engaging Missions Radio Show. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Radio Show, your home for inspiration and encouragement from missionaries around the world. Join us each week to hear what God is doing and to learn how you can be involved wherever you are in whatever God has called you to do. Whether you're a full-time missionary or are called into the marketplace, you have a home here. We're all in this together. All right, let's get started. I'm really excited to bring you this week's guest, Brent Basler. Now, before we get into the interview, I do want to say that Brent is using a pen name for security reasons. Brent works with Youth with a Mission in Nashville. I first met him a couple months ago when I went to talk to him and some others about some website work I've been doing for YWAM Nashville. While I was there, he shared with me some of the things that are happening at the Nashville base. I was really excited to hear about their discipleship training schools, and I was equally excited to hear about some of the work they're doing with aquaponics. I'm really excited today because of what Brent brings to the table. I so appreciate his perspective and attitude toward ministry. I think you're really going to like this one. Okay, Brent, I've given a little introduction. Now, why don't you just take a minute, tell us about yourself and your ministry. We want to get to know you personally. Okay, thanks, Brian. A while back, my wife and I were completely up to our necks in the work world. We were enjoying what we did. Uh, My wife was a physical therapist, and she was really good at it. Uh, She'd been doing that for seven years. I'd been a teacher of junior high, high school, community college, and loved that as well. And we realized we were on autopilot almost. We had, uh, I had lesson plans stored up for times I needed to take off. I had a good rapport with the students. We did mission trips on the summers, and and then we realized we were living year-round for the summer missions opportunities. And we put on our brakes and thought, we need to completely shift the way that we're going about our careers and our life goals. And there was that point where the call had been pretty strong for long enough. We felt like we would be disobedient if we didn't make a switch pretty quickly. So about uh, 14 years ago, we joined Youth with a Mission. We started our training in Elm Springs, Arkansas. Uh, we did an outreach to two different closed countries during the course of that year, enjoyed it very much. And then we shifted over to Youth with a Mission in Nashville in 2002. And that's been really fun. We've gotten to know great people, and we've gotten to see God's kingdom expand in some really exciting ways. Thanks. Now that we know you a little, can you share with us a scripture or a motivational quote that's really been meaningful to you, and then share with us how that scripture or quote has really shaped your behavior? Good question. Uh, the scripture that probably is most meaningful to us is Psalm 121.8. He will guard your going out and coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. And it came at a time when 
we were serving in a closed country for about a year and a half. We'd been challenged to come back to the States and do some training and multiplication. And we were sort of stuck. It was a, a crossroads. And we felt like we were supposed to have a foot in both worlds, but weren't sure how that would look. And that verse, Psalm 121.8, really confirmed that, that we were actually to do both, not to have to choose one over the other. And since then, we've seen the multiplication actually work out, where we weren't just serving in one country, but we were multiplying people to go to the nations. That's great. One question I have, for those who may not know, could you tell our listeners what a closed country is? Oh, yeah, that makes sense. It's a nation where the gospel is not permitted to be preached freely, that there's some censorship for Christian evangelism. So missionaries in those countries could be deported. Okay, thanks. Now, Brent, we know that not everybody's life is just easy and happy. And in fact, frankly, we all have some challenges and some struggles. As we get started, we'd like to hear about a time in your journey when you encountered a significant challenge or failure. Share with us a story of one time when God really came through, whether it was a time when your back was against the wall and you needed a breakthrough, or whether you were praying for somebody else. Paint for us a picture of God's faithfulness. There's three that come to mind fairly quickly, so I'll be brief on each. One was when we were in this closed country, our daughter uh, was fairly young. We had an infant daughter as well, and, and a son who was about four. And we were really praying over being in a high-rise apartment. It was like the 16th floor, and there were no bars on the window. That is typically the case in those countries. It wasn't locked. There was no latch that would lock the window. And so we had just moved into this apartment, and we're praying that there would be some protection over the kids. Within a week or two, one of uh, our youngest, uh, our next to youngest daughter, not the infant, but the one who was about... Um, two came running into our room and said, there's, there's a big, uh, Brittany, the, the youngest daughter, there's a big Brittany in the window. And this was about three in the morning. She said, there's a big Brittany in the window. And I said, um, go away, go away. And she said, no, this is my job. I have to stay here. And she said it was, um, she had brilliant blonde hair and she was floating outside of the window. And we really believe it was an angel protecting our youngest daughter, uh, the infant, um, and then our our other daughter from potentially falling out the window, possibly our son as well. When we were leaving the apartment, we turned to take a picture of that window just to see if the angel was still there. And of all of our film, that's the picture that did not get developed. That role was not developed well. Uh, So there was no evidence one way or the other, which really made us laugh. Um, another time was we were out of money. We really were faith-based missionaries. So we did not have money, uh, to take our son to his dentist appointment, completely broke. And we were going to use the credit card, but couldn't find it. So my wife called me, uh, about 1130 in the morning and said, if I don't have the money by lunchtime, I'm going to have to call and cancel this appointment. And one of our friends, who's also a supporter, stopped by the house and said, I've had this check for you on my mantle for weeks. And my wife kept telling me, just mail it to them. And he said, no, I really feel like I'm supposed to drop this by. And that was about 11.45. So when my wife called me, she was ecstatic. It was like God's stamp of approval on on just the ministry and that he had plans ahead and not to get discouraged. And uh, the the third one uh, about God's just breakthrough provision was we were going to adopt our son, who's now six, 
from South Korea, and he had a cleft lip, cleft palate. We really felt like we were supposed to do this, but as faith-based missionaries, we couldn't afford an expensive adoption. So we were at a crossroads. What do we do? And the kids prayed about it, and they said, we really feel like we're supposed to do this. And I'm like, I'm not going to spend, you know, $16,000 on an adoption just because you feel like we're supposed to. I have to have a little more than that. And the Lord basically said, your kids are right. And uh, I was prompted to turn to 2 Kings 19. And I knew 1 Kings 18, 19 about Elijah and the prophets of Baal, but had no idea what 2 Kings 19 was about. And the king is basically, the king of Israel is being threatened And he sends word to the prophet Isaiah and says, uh, the way he phrases his question is this, Brian. He says, is this a day of trouble and trial and distress as when the time comes to deliver a child and there is no strength to deliver him? And Isaiah basically says, go, he will be delivered into your hand. And so that was our confirmation. And within about a week or two, we got a call from Shohanna's Hope at the time, now at Shohope. Stephen Curtis Chapman's foundation, and they were giving us a $3,000 grant. So we just saw God continuing to answer prayers, usually when we were at the point of desperation. Wow, those are three great stories. Thanks so much for sharing those. Now we're going to move to the other end of the spectrum. Just as we all have challenges, there are those times when we have moments of revelation. So share with us a time in your journey when that happened. Take us back to that moment and share with us the steps that you took to turn that light bulb moment into success. Our family was serving in a closed country. Uh, Again, it wasn't a long time. It was only about a year and a half. And there were a group of ladies from a church in California who came out to see us. And they were visiting a lot of missionaries in that country. And they sat down with just my wife and me and said, how can we pray for you? And we explained that dilemma of having one foot in this country and the other foot in the U.S. And they said, well, let's pray for you about that. And the one lady said, Uh, When we finished praying, she said, I feel like God's challenging me to ask you, are you preferring to be a martyr when you're supposed to be a multiplier? And that really took me back. And my wife and I talked about it for a while, and we realized that we were actually being a little bit selfish in wanting to have a martyr role when God was asking us to be multipliers. So that aha moment is what pointed us to Psalm 121.8 about the going out and coming in. And it helped us really roll up our sleeves and say, okay, for at least the time that we're in the States, we are going to be multipliers. And when we're overseas, we're going to be multipliers of disciples there. So we started thinking multiplication, not just martyrdom, and realizing the value of being bridge builders from the U.S. to overseas. I'm just so impressed by that insight. my my sense is that sometimes we have this feeling that for God to call us to something, it has to be something that we hate, something that we would never choose on our own, something that's not even a desire that he's put in our heart. And so, nothing could be more contrary to Scripture. Yes, he calls people to be martyrs, but he calls people to be multipliers. He calls people to the marketplace, and he has a reason and a call for everybody and what he has them doing. Right. And there's so much joy that's part of both worlds, whether we're overseas or here, And my wife and I sometimes look at each other and kind of laugh and say, uh, wow, is it is it allowable to be this fun and this easy? (laughs) That's a great insight. What's one thing you wish you would have known when you were just starting out and what would that have changed? Probably for me, Brian, I'm a worry word. I tend to wring my hands over things that never actually happen. So uh, the short answer to that would be I would worry a lot less 
and trust a lot more because most of what I've worried about, especially through prayer, never come to pass. They just drift away. God provides buffers or a way to get through them with an unexpected amount of grace. That's great. Now, Brent, we're going to move to the present day. We want to hear about what's going on in your ministry. What's one thing that's really exciting you right now? There's a few things. Uh, My wife is going on a medical missions trip. She's helping to coordinate that with the Methodist Church in Arkansas. And my daughter is going with her. And our kids will typically go on trips with us overseas. Our four kids are an integral part of our ministry. So the medical trip this summer is one that's exciting. Uh, here at Youth with a Mission Nashville, there's a lot happening in terms of networking and relationships, a lot of support from the community. We have a 5K walk and run that's coming up on May 17th, and we're realizing it's not just about raising money for buildings or repairs, that type of thing. It's really about getting to know our neighbors better and having them come out and see what YWAM Nashville is all about. We have a discipleship training school happening now. A lot of short-term outreach is happening this summer. And in the fall, we have another discipleship training school and a school of worship. And the discipleship training school is basically three months of getting to know more about God's character and how he does things and the value of his word, and then going overseas for about two months to serve. And uh, there's usually a stateside component to that as well. Brent, there are a number of great missions organizations out there, and I believe that God has called each of them to a specific need or purpose. Some primarily plant churches, others teach discipleship through the person of peace, some focus on street evangelism or humanitarian aid. Where does YWAM fit in all this? YWAM is really about hearing God's voice and moving into that. So whether it's words spoken to us through trusted Christian friends or through His Word, we're a very flexible organization and it's very broad structured and decentralized. So there's typically not an administrative mandate to do something. It's about each individual listening to what God's saying and walking out in obedience to that. So for a number of us, we may just have had a stirring that you're supposed to use your mechanical ability to serve the Lord, and they'll come here and start fixing cars for us. Or someone else might feel called that they're supposed to be working in accounting, and they have some accounting background, and they'll come and serve in that capacity. And it's not always that someone comes with a vision or a goal in mind and they immediately walk that out. There may be a time where God sees a lot of potential in them in another area. And it's either a character building time or a time where they expand giftings they never knew they had. But I think what sets youth with a mission apart, not necessarily in a better way, but in a different way than a lot of other organizations, is there's extreme flexibility and willingness to move on short notice in whatever area God's directing. And what is one thing that you believe YWAM Nashville does the best? Relationships. I believe um, when my wife and I first switched into the director's role, we were looking at what does God really value? What does he see when he sees our campus? And his heart was just for the people who abandoned um, maybe career goals, financial possibilities, and just want to surrender everything for his kingdom. And the Lord was speaking to us really clearly, guard those relationships. So the one of the visions, we have a relational vision, uh, a ministry vision, and a locational vision. We realized to state them clearly, they needed to be three streams. So I think what we do best, what I hope we do best, Brian, is that we have uh, in the, the relational vision that we have, 
it's an umbrella of worship over the base. Like if you imagine somebody holding a giant umbrella, so the umbrella is worship over the base. And then under that umbrella is imagine a cup or a mug. And the acronym is C-U-N-P as the acronym. So the C is communication, that we communicate really well with one another, that we keep short accounts, that we don't hold grudges, we ask for forgiveness fairly quickly, and we let people know what we're doing so there's no misunderstanding of intent or motives. The U is for unity, that we just read in our staff meeting uh, a psalm about um, who can ascend to the Lord's holy hill. It's those who don't backbite, who don't slander their neighbor, uh, who can basically trust each other. So one of our goals is unity, to look each other in the eye whenever we see each other and know there's nothing bad between us, that we have good communication and we care about one another, and that we want to have good gossip. If we're talking about someone who's not present, that it's positive, and if we have something we need to clear the air with, we go to them directly. And then the P part of that would be purity. We realize that with a community outreach, a community ministry, that individual purity really does lead to corporate blessing. So that's what I hope YWAM Nashville does best, is we concentrate on relationships and worshiping the Lord through them. How would someone know, if they were feeling called to missions, that they were called to YWAM Nashville? Well, we advocate a lot of other YWAM bases. All, all the other Youth with a Mission bases, we try to have at least a loose network of championing one another. So I have a fear of the Lord actually about championing YWAM Nashville too much above any other location. But what we do challenge people to do is pray about it and we let them know what we offer. So for instance, we're really strong in discipleship. We have had a pretty solid discipleship training program here for years, really good training director and school leaders. So if you're interested in discipleship, this might be the place for you or worship. We have a very strong worship program. Our worship leaders are very God-centered and kingdom-focused, and just a lot of joy in their worship. So those are two areas that might be a draw for you, but there may be an area of our base that needs to be expanded through a gift that a volunteer would have to offer or someone coming in as a student. So basically, we would say pray about it and see what God's directing you to. A lot of times when we challenge students to consider going overseas or taking the next step in ministry, we ask them to look at a tripod where there's uh, the relationship part of that tripod, there's the ministry part of the tripod, and the geographical component. So if they're thinking about what their next step should be, they might consider what they would do, who they would do it with, and where they would go. So we would challenge people just to pray those areas through. Wow, Brent. Thanks so much for offering that to us. And for those who are listening, if you want to go back and listen to that again, you can find that in the show notes at engagingmissions.com slash Brent Basler. We'll have all of that there. You can listen to it. And I'll make sure that that three-legged framework that he just mentioned is up there. Now, Brent, I'm sure that there are some people who are listening that are already supporting missionaries, either financially or in prayer, but want to do more. If they really wanted to level up their game, what's one thing they could do to encourage or support a missionary? A few of the unsung hero types that have served our missionaries well have done outside-the-box things where they really pray and they look at each family or individual situation and see what is a heart need that that missionary might be a little embarrassed to ask for help in. 
For instance, if it's a young family overseas, they might really like someone to go spend a week with them and watch their kids so they can have two or three date nights. It might be just the thing that they need. Or if it's someone serving stateside, for instance, um, the mission pastors at our church in Maryland came out one day and spent the full day with us. They pretty much um, shadowed us from morning to night to see what we do. And they came away with such an appreciation and so much encouragement for us. We could not have felt more valued. And since then, that, that same missions pastor couple uh, has donated their, um, their resort getaway uh, points to us for our anniversary every year. Um, there's so many ways that anyone interested in really coming alongside a missionary can do that in a creative and fun way. Uh, I would just say, pray about it. Think about the very, very practical needs that a missionary might be a little embarrassed to bring out. It could be something as simple as printing and folding newsletters or tracking down some addresses, uh, just lots of ways to do that. One way might be to go actually join that missionary for a week overseas and see how they can serve them practically. Thanks, Brent. Now it's time to transition to the speed round. This is where I get to ask you a series of questions and you come back at us quickly with your short and amazing answers. Does that sound like a plan? Sounds great. What is the best advice you have ever received? My grandfather had a sixth grade education, but he went on to be uh, on a board of bank and uh, was a really successful farmer. He said, read the Proverbs every day and do what they say. That is great advice. What's one meaningful thing someone did to encourage, support, or help you? Uh, My parents put my brother, sister, and I in a Christian school, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, when uh, they also really were were trying to make ends meet. We know it was a financial sacrifice, but the foundations have lasted our whole life. Can you share with us one of your personal habits that you strongly believe contributes to your success? Uh, Reading God's Word and also praying very raw, honest prayers to Him, especially if in the car. We're in a rural area, so people won't stare at me too much. But just really crying out to the Lord while I'm in the car and being very, very transparent with Him. That's great. I remember having a a similar conversation with somebody a few years ago and basically saying, you know, God's not scared of my prayers. He already knows my heart, but maybe I need to get that out there so that he can deal with it if I'm all screwed up. (laughs) Do you have an internet resource that you use that you could share with our listeners? We have used tnt.mpd. It's a software tracking for donors who are supporting our ministry. TNT.mpd. Can you tell can you tell people a little bit more about that? Sure. It tracks who is giving and it also tracks um, trends and rhythms in giving. It has a, a place where you can include addresses, uh, amounts, um, names of kids, that types of thing. Because we really value our supporters. We want to keep relationship with them in a healthy way. And uh, the next time we see them, we want to remember details about them that are important and get to know them better. So as we find out more and our relationship deepens, we'd like to include those things in a database. And TNT.MPD is uh, is free, and it's uh, really effective at tracking those types of things. What book would you recommend for our listeners? I have two, Brian. Uh, One is The Permanent Revolution, and that's by Tim Ketchum and Alan Hirsch. And uh, that's C-A-T-C-H-U-M, Ketchum and Alan Hirsch, H-I-R-S-C-H. The other book would be Reframing Your Ministry by J. Anthony Headley. And the first book, Permanent Revolution, is about the fivefold ministry, taking some pressure off pastors. So it's about expanding the roles of 
uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, so that a typical traditional pastor isn't shouldering the load for an entire congregation all the time. And the other book, Reframing Your Ministry, is about rhythms of rest and work that Jesus and Mark called his disciples to go and make disciples, go out and, and uh, in pairs, but then he also commanded them to come aside and rest in the rhythm of that. Those both sound like very interesting books. Now, this last question is a little bit tricky, so you may want to take a minute and think about it and then come back at us with an answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow in a brand new country where you knew nobody. You still have all your experience and knowledge, and your family's there with you. Your food and shelter are covered, but all you have is a laptop and $500 U.S. What would you do in the next seven days? That is a very challenging question, and one of the things that we've done in, in our School of Strategic Missions is challenge students to think in a similar vein, Brian. We would first look at the patterns that we're setting for the rest of our time in that country, whether it's for another month or whether it's a lifelong journey. But we realize more and more what we do immediately, the pattern that we set in that first week is what we're likely to continue. So we would first pray. We would drop everything and just pray and say, God, what's the next step? It might be something very quirky and strange, but it could open doors for myriad possibilities of ministry. So we would pray and ask God what the next step would be. If we don't get specific guidance in a certain area, we would probably take a notebook and a pen and the whole family, because they love kids, we would go out and start introducing ourselves to the neighbors, get out in the community, start learning how to buy things, show that we value their language, that we want to get to know them on their terms and not ours. And then we would uh, build relationships, try to get a platform of trust to show that we care about them and hopefully they could get to know us better as well. And we would be looking for a person of peace that whole time to see somebody who might be interested not just in our family, but in the things of God. They have a tender heart towards what God wants to teach them. And I thought a little bit, um, too, when you mentioned the laptop, uh, where does that come in? And we're realizing more and more, Brian, that the communication piece of missions is so important because we're called not just to go and do things, but to bring a whole community of believers along with us. As we share details about what's happening overseas or even stateside as we're training up disciples and sending people out into the nations, that as we communicate, use that laptop to send out the emails, the newsletters, that we part of our responsibility is not just to do it, but to bring along a lot of people who are meant to be in missions, and that ripple effect uh, will go to them as well. That's great. Your, uh, your answer about getting out into the community very much reminded me of what Darius Walker talked about when we were doing that interview as well. Huh. Now, Brent, we're almost done. Will you share with us one last piece of advice and then the best way for us to get in touch with you, and then we'll say goodbye? Sure. Great. That's a good question. Um, probably the best advice I've been given in a missions context is, in a daily Christian walk context, is to think about the last thing that God has told you to do and consider where you are in taking steps to finish that. And if you can't remember the last thing that God clearly told you to do is take some time, pray that through and say, Lord, what is the one thing you want me to do right now? So the last advice I would have is to do the last thing that God clearly asked of you, and then he'll open doors for your next step. And what's the best way for someone to get in touch with you? They could email me at info, I-N-F-O, at 
ywamnashville.org. Okay. Email at, y, at info at ywamnashville.org. For those yes. who are listening, I'll make sure that that's all linked up in the show notes as well. And again, that's going to be at engagingmissions.com slash Brent Basler. Now, Brent, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate your time and your generosity. Thank you, Brian. I know you've had a hard investment in missions and you've partnered with YWAM Nashville in many ways and we appreciate you. I appreciate you as well. That ends our time with Brent Basler. I'm really grateful that he was able to take the time to do this. I know that it was super early in the morning for him. As I mentioned before, this week's show notes will be at engagingmissions.com slash Brent Basler. That's B-R-E-N-T. B-A-Z-L-E-R, or at engagingmissions.com slash EM006, as in episode 6. If you want to check out the software recommendation or one of the books Brent mentioned, that'll be the place to do it. Also, I have made some changes to the show notes page format over the last couple weeks. If you haven't visited recently, you may want to just go check them out. I'd love to hear what you think of the new format. Finally, if you enjoyed this, please subscribe in iTunes and leave us an honest rating and review. You can do that by visiting engagingmissions.com slash iTunes. Your feedback can help make this show better and help us get into the hands and ears of more people. It really helps more than you know. And if you do, be sure to grab a screenshot of yourself filling out the rating and review and email it to me. You can email it to ratings at engagingmissions.com. I'll make sure that it's featured on our ratings Pinterest board and on the website. Thanks so much for joining us for the Engaging Missions radio show. May God richly bless you. We'll see you next week.